let's talk about blood money on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and last week I uh, dabbled in trying to present some sort of geopolitical strategy. (laughs) And if you thought that was scary, today I'm going to try to go even a little bit further into some geopolitical economy. (laughs) So I hope your eyes don't glaze over. And one thing you have going for you is that I can only present what I understand. And so this should be hopefully a good layman's uh, way of presenting a lot of the conflict that's going on right now between Russia and Ukraine Because I think it's important that we, uh, as uh, ambassadors of heaven, that we understand what's happening here on this earth so that we can intervene effectively and compassionately. Uh, The Russia-Ukraine war is now about 13 days of fighting at the time that I'm recording this podcast. Uh, The Ukrainian people are uh, holding uh, out sort of nobly. Um, However, most pundits believe that it's sort of inevitable that the war machine that is Russia uh, will uh, take that territory. But I want to dig deeper because I believe, as jaded as this sounds, that almost every conflict in human history can really be boiled down to one specific factor, and that's money. Every conflict at some point at its very root deals with the economy and with money. Um, I know that that's probably not a universal truth, but most historians, I believe, could make a case for that to be true. So I want to, with this conflict, like so many others, I want to sort of follow the money because I think it's important that we uh, connect with Uh, some of the heart, and some of the response that we need to have, not only compassionately in our hearts, but also with our pocketbook and the way that this is going to affect us or maybe ought to affect us. And I will give you a few points in that regards as well. I apologize for somewhat of the dark title of this podcast titled Blood Money, but I'm going to explain why I uh, titled this podcast that, and uh, and that'll become clear as we get a little further into this. As we all are aware, the average price of a gallon of gas in America now has jumped over $4 a gallon. In my little neck of the woods, we're at about $379, $389, somewhere in there. Uh, but over the course of the nation, well over $4 a gallon. Uh, interestingly, when we talk about oil, which is I'm going to talk a lot about today, uh, the largest producer, the largest, um, the country that produces the most amount of oil in the world is the United States. Interestingly, number two is Saudi Arabia. And number three 
is Russia. Now, it's interesting because the U.S. is such a high consumer of oil, uh, Saudi Arabia is actually the largest exporter and Russia is the second largest exporter. We kind of use everything that we produce and then we also uh, uh, import. We actually import about 10% of Russian's oil um, comes to the America and about 10% of the world's import of oil comes from Russia. And what we're going to find out, what becomes complicated in this whole equation is that Europe uh, and Eastern Europe uh, actually accounts for about one third of Russia's exports. So they are very dependent on Russia, Russian oil, which becomes a problem when we have somebody who is acting dict dictatorial and taking territory and acting immorally, as we discussed in last podcast. I uh, went on to the CNN business. Uh, Mark Zandi is the chief economist economist of Moody's analytics. And he actually gave uh, some good information that I want to share from you with you. Um, and it, it deals directly with the impact of oil, oil prices and the economy of the United States, because this affects us so intimately. He, he wrote, writes painfully high inflation has become the nation's number one economic problem. It's, it has been ignited by the pandemic and it's set to get worse as Russia's invasion of Ukraine sends gasoline prices even higher. Inflation is as high as it's been in nearly 40 years. 40 years. And because of the quickly rising prices, the typical American household, which makes less than 70000 a year, needs to spend about $275 more a month or $3,300 a year to purchase the same goods and services they did just one year ago. That's a staggering amount of money when you really think about it from a monthly budget. Global oil prices have risen dramatically since the invasion began to more than $110 per barrel. I believe a typical barrel of oil would cost maybe $60 to $70. It's now jumped to $110 and estimated to go even higher. He writes, even though global supplies have not been significantly disrupted by the Russian invasion yet, there is a considerable threat that they will be. And the higher prices we are seeing are a premium oil traders add to oil prices to compensate for this risk. So even, there, even though there hasn't been a shutoff of the spigot, the oil companies see the risk and they're going to pass that cost over to you. If supplies are significantly disrupted, then we could see oil prices rise to more than $140 per gallon and gas prices rising to more than $5 per gallon, my friends. Oof. Nothing influences people's thinking about future inflation more than what they are paying at the pump today. You know, I was just joking with my wife that, you know, everybody kind of remembers what gas prices were when we were younger. Because uh, the, the price of gas seems to be the greatest reflection of the health of our economy, whether right or wrong. That's what we look at. That's that We look at that closer than the stock market or any other financial markers. We look at gas prices and how it affects us each and every day. Nothing influences people's thinking more than what they are paying at the pump. Okay, so the Fed knows that if inflation expectations 
increase. So that's what we're seeing is the expectation of inflation. And we're seeing that by the price of gas. That this may ignite a so-called wage price spiral. That is, workers will demand that their employees pay them more to compensate for the expected increase in their cost of living. Businesses will agree to do so as they feel they can pass the higher costs along to the consumers or the customers. And so it goes. The wage price spiral. Our wages go up, but the costs go up as well. Now, Biden ordered that oil from the nation's strategic petroleum reserve be released to help quell higher oil prices. And allies in the Europe and Asia are taking similar action, which will provide an additional 60 million barrels to global markets. While this is the right thing to do, as the SPR, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, is supposed to be used in crises like the current one, it is too much too little to have an impact on prices. The world consumes about 100 million barrels of oil a day. So the 60 million barrels added, I guess, is a drop in the barrel. Time Magazine uh, released an article uh, March 7th. Uh, that's just yesterday, the day before I'm, I'm releasing this podcast. And um, it was an excellent article um, really laying out sort of the moralistic response of humanity to what we are seeing happening in Ukraine. Because we can't keep our eye, can't take our eye off the ball. I kind of teased John Kerry a little bit last podcast about taking his eye off the ball and focusing on climate change rather than focusing on the suffering that's taking place in Ukraine. And I think this is completely the appropriate conversation that we need to be having. Let me read a little bit of what was written in this article. Instead, Biden suggested that sanctions might be off the table. As we respond, my administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American families and businesses from rising prices at the gas pump, he said. We're taking active steps to bring down the costs. The response to what Joe Biden said was written like this. It was a quick moment, but a striking one in the face of a full-scale assault on Ukraine by a resurgent Russia. Protecting, protecting American consumers from paying a few extra dollars to fill up at the gas station appeared to outrank defending global democracy. In context, though, Biden's position was hardly surprising. The political impact of domestic energy costs has shaped U.S. foreign and national security policy for the better part of 50 years. The administration's adamant efforts to keep energy prices low throughout Biden's 13 months in office follows decades of conventional political wisdom that maintains that few, if any, issues are significant enough for consumers to willingly give up cheap gas prices to address them. How sad is that sentence? If the Biden administration really believes that, then I think they're missing out not only on a Christian worldview, but actually missing out on a nationalistic worldview too. Those of us that actually care about the world and other people and that the United States is a shining light upon a hill. 
Yet the story of an authoritarian ruler invading a sovereign democratic nation and creating more than a million refugees seems sufficiently to have shaken people up in the United States and Europe that politicians on both sides of the Atlantic are weighing the risk. Turning off the Russian tap is perhaps the most significant economic move remaining to pressure Putin. In January, revenue from oil and gas taxes and fees <coughs> made up 45% of his government's budget. Let me read that again. Revenue from oil and gas taxes and fees made up 45% of his government's budget, according to the International Energy Agency. Russian export revenue from oil, gas, and related products total more than $1 billion every day. I want to quote Oleg Ustrenko. He's an economic advisor to the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky. This is what he says. And I'm going to quote him directly. The world is paying Russia $700 million a day for oil and $400 million for natural gas. You are, all, you are paying all this money to a murderous leader who is still killing people in my country. What has been done so far is very good and it hurts Russia, but it's not enough, Ustenko said. What would be really painful and what would change the whole story is if the United States were to introduce a complete embargo on the Russian oil and gas industry. Then you are really talking about destroying the Russian economy. The U.S. government can make a big difference in this effort, he said. They are the superpower. They are able to convince others. There are measures and steps that can be taken to mitigate the shock, he added, and mentioned that the possibility of arranging alternative sources of supply. In the end, though, he returned to the moral imperative of cutting off the money that is financing Vladimir Putin's war machine. For those of us here in Ukraine, it is blood money, he said. You know, I had to look up blood money and, and, and really what is implied in that statement, in that colloquialism. Blood money is the reward for bringing a criminal to justice. It's about restitution. Restitution is the restoration of something lost or stolen to its proper owner. It's recompense for injury or loss. My friends, what we're seeing in Ukraine right now is injury and loss. What we're seeing in Ukraine right now is something lost and stolen. And we as the global people of, we the people of heaven and the representation of heaven, we can offer restitution. There is a way, and the way is turning off the spigot of Russian's oil. It would cripple the economy of Russia. And it would not only send a message to Putin and his current um, little plan to take over Ukraine, but it actually speaks to his further endeavors, sending a message to him that this isn't going to work, whatever he has planned, even in the future. It's important that we are strong and that we are united, even though 
it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt our pocketbook. It's going to hurt our day-to-day life. It's certainly going to hurt our bottom line and our budget. But we need to move in compassion for the people of Ukraine. When we talk about blood money, it's actually mentioned in the Bible Uh, And it's used to refer to the 30 pieces of silver Judas Iscariot received in exchange for revealing the identity of Jesus Christ to the forces sent uh, to the forces sent by the Pharisees and or the Sanhedrin. After the crucifixion of Christ, Jesus, Jesus returned the payment to the chief priest who took the silver pieces and said it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. We are receiving oil from Russia from a murderous dictator and he is getting paid $1 billion a day to support his war machine. My friends, there's something that's off. And it's not only off, but the delay and the, 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 the slowness of response by the Biden administration, I believe is abhorrent. I'm an equal opportunity pushbacker. This isn't a partisan conversation. This is about an administration that needs to be bold and strong right now. I would argue they needed to be bold and strong about two weeks ago. I think they needed to be bold and strong when the tanks were lining up on the border. I think they could have looked at Putin and said, take your tanks away or we're going to implement this embargo. It needed to have been this strong. But after the Ukrainian people are shelled and killed and destroyed. Then the Biden administration is considering it. It's, it's too late. We, we, we need to be moving. And we, the American people, need to be strong in our response. And I believe it's starting to happen. The Russian invasion of Ukraine may be changing the political calculation. As a growing chorus of officials in Washington calls for an embargo on Russian oil, and opinion polls show that a majority of consumers are willing to pay more to defend Ukraine. And now the Biden administration, according to this article, is forced to consider it, along with the political challenges it raises. On March 3rd, a bipartisan group of 18 lawmakers announced legislation to ban the import of Russian oil Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi immediately endorsed the idea. So what are we waiting for? On Monday, White House Press Secretary uh, Jen uh, Psaki said that the administration has not yet decided whether to ban Russian oil imports. My friends, so much of this has to do with money and political positioning. And now is not the time for either. Now is the time for raw compassion and the, quote, whatever it takes, end quote, mentality. Encouragingly, a Reuters poll released in early March found that 62% of Americans are willing to pay more for fuel as a result of sanctions against Russia. And that's up from 49% from just two weeks prior. So people are getting it. They're seeing the mayhem. They're seeing the injustice. And they're willing to use their pocketbooks to help. If we can pay extra at the pump and it'll actually help to destroy Putin's plan, I believe that is a very powerful political strategic plan. Four out of five Americans support an embargo on Russian oil. 
I remember reading in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. It says, the ki- then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. My friends, this is the severity of the moment that we're in. And we are feeling, I'm not denying or being um, uh, being callous towards the economic pressure that we are feeling here. But it is nothing It pales in comparison to what is happening in the country of Ukraine currently. And we need to be willing to take on some financial pain to help those who are innocent victims in this conflict. And we can do it. There's like a reality that this is going to work. If we cut off the the monetary supply of this cruel, murderous dictator, then things will change and things will shift and perhaps quite quickly. And again, not only for today, but in the future as well, as, as, the, as the global environment of people actually rise up and stand for what is right and what is good. So that's my call in this podcast titled, entitled Blood Money. Because there's recompense here that can be merited out and we can be part of that every single time we fill our gas tank. It seems like a small, very small price to pay in light of Matthew 25, 34. Because as we do it to them, we are doing it to Christ himself. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that what we're here for? In my next podcast, I'm going to go even further into my geopolitical economy and see how much more I can talk about this because I want to read this one paragraph for you to tell you what the next episode is about. In short, the question of whether to ban Russian oil imports has placed the White House in an unenviable position. It has to somehow balance strategic, moral, economic, and political concerns. But there is another sense in which the Russian invasion has greatly clarified the choices facing us as a country and presented us with a historic opportunity to make the United States less beholden to a diminishing stock of fossil fuels and the autocratic governments that control much of it. I am all for energy independence in our country. But there are a few different ideas on how to achieve that. And I would like to talk about that in the next podcast. There is something also somewhat nefarious being played in the background in regards to climate change and energy takeover by the government that we have to be leery of and mindful of. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I also know that we are running with a climate change um, worldview that is going to cause economic harm and pain to us. And I believe that we can be energy independent and also smart about our environment 
and our choices that we make with our resources. So yeah, I almost sounded a little bit like a, a political economist there for a couple of seconds. <laughs> Maybe there's hope for me after all. I so appreciate you listening to this and listening to my heart in this. Would you please pray for the Ukrainian people and the government there as they are under siege and the tyranny that is attacking them? So, Father, we just bless that country right now, and we pray for your angelic protection over that country, Lord. And that anything that we can do, Lord, I pray for our leaders and our, the, the ones who are in a strategic place to make a real difference, to turn the tide of this injustice. And, Lord, I speak life and wisdom and, and, and strength to those people who are making the decisions, and also strength to us, Lord, that can, that can whisper in their ear, and, and tell them that we are willing, we are willing to come alongside, even economically, to help. Lord, give us the strength, Lord Jesus, to hold these people up in prayer and keep them on our hearts always. So thank you for listening to me again, and I appreciate your time and attention to this. Please go to pushback.org. I would love to hear your feedback on this conflict, on this war and any other insight that you might have as we go forward and discuss this together as ambassadors of his kingdom. I so appreciate you. So now let's go together to set and shape the culture.